Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. In today's video, I'm going to start going through my positional rankings for the 2022 season. So now that the NFL draft is behind us, you know, we know what teams kind of went with different positions. We have a clearer picture of what the depth charts are going to look like, you know, heading into the season. So in today's video, I'm going to be going through my top 12 running backs. So basically my early in the offseason running back rankings. I'll continue to, you know, update these probably about every month. And then over the next few days, I'll be going through the wide receivers, quarterbacks, and then tight ends. And then while you guys are watching, if you enjoy the content, just do me a huge favor, hit that like button, and then subscribe to the channel. And then I also want to know your guys' thoughts down below in the comment section. We're still a long way away from the season, so these rankings are going to change. And so I want to know what guys you think should be higher or lower, and then give me some reasoning down below, and I'll make sure to respond back to every single person. But let's jump right into the number one spot. And I feel like this actually may be a little controversial right off the bat, but I'm going to be going with Christian McCaffrey here at number one. I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with this, but just for me personally, I'm willing to take the risk of him getting injured because he just has a ceiling at the position that is unmatched by any other running back in the NFL. Like if Christian McCaffrey has his perfect season, there is not another running back in the league who is even coming close to that number that he could average. Christian McCaffrey has put up over 24 points per game in three of his five seasons. If we're looking at the consensus 101 Jonathan Taylor, last year he averaged 21.9 points per game. So you're looking like that's a very solid season, but I mean McCaffrey has averaged two points per game more than that in over 50% of his seasons. And obviously the red flag is the medical stuff. You know, he's only played in 10 games over the past two seasons. The good thing here for McCaffrey is that none of these were super extreme injuries. We're not looking at like huge ACL tears, you know, no stuff like that. And when we're looking back, you know, early in McCaffrey's career, when you're looking at his three college seasons and then his first three NFL seasons, he has missed a total of only three games. So prior to the last two years, he has been incredibly healthy. And then we're looking at the past two seasons. In between these injuries, he was still incredibly effective. So in 2022, you know, we only played in three games but he averaged 30.1 points per game. Then in 2021, he's in and out of the lineup all season long, still averaged 18.1. And you know, even though that number is much lower than some of his previous, you know, highs where he's averaging 30 points per game or close to 30 points per game, he had really poor touchdown luck in that season and also was exiting, you know, with injury during the games. So that 18.1 points per game, those really weren't full performances there. So I'm willing to just take the shot on McCaffrey because he does have that elite ceiling. Because if you hit Christian McCaffrey and he's given you 27, 28 points per game, it is going to be very tough to lose, you know, if you draft a decent enough team around him. So I'm kind of willing to take that risk, which is why I do have him here at the 101. But if you are super concerned, you know, with his injury history, I would not fault you for going in a different direction. Now, moving over to the 102, this is where I have Jonathan Taylor. And he's going to be a very strong high-end running back one choice. He finished as the RB1 last year, already mentioned it, 21.9 points per game. But I do want to provide some context to the 2021 season, at least for running backs, because overall, it was a pretty down year when we're looking at those top-tier RBs. Looking back at 2020, there were two running backs who averaged over 24 points per game. That's also not including Christian McCaffrey, because he did only play in three games. Then in 2019, CMC was the high-end RB1, blew every other running back out of the water, averaging 29.4 points per game. And then in 2018, 
we saw five running backs average over 23 points per game. So even though Jonathan Taylor was the RB1, you know, that 21.9 points per game number, that is not some like unattainable point that's like insanely impressive. You know, in other seasons, that could be RB4, RB5. And I totally think Jonathan Taylor can repeat, you know, have another 20 plus point per game season. But I do think 2021 was very, very close to his ceiling. Because if you're looking at his production, he was dominant on the ground and in the touchdown department, 1,811 rushing yards and 20 total touchdowns. The thing that kind of limits him from being that crazy running back who averages over 25 points per game is I just don't know if he's ever going to be a top receiving back in the NFL. He caught 40 passes for 360 yards, which is solid, but he's not one of these running backs who's going to go out, give you like 600 plus yards and 80 plus receptions. So I do think he's a strong bet to finish as a high-end running back one, but I wouldn't be banking on a repeat you know, RB1 finish in terms of points per game. Then moving on to number three, this is where I have Derrick Henry. And I actually think this is a similar situation with Derrick Henry to Jonathan Taylor. Henry averaged 24.2 points per game last season, played in eight games before having a season-ending injury, at least, you know, ended his regular season. And I'm definitely not expecting him to replicate those numbers in 2022 because 24 points per game is crazy, especially looking at how unsustainable his workload was. It's really not all that surprising that he did get hurt considering the fact he was averaging 27.4 carries per game. I do think there was a big kind of positive takeaway from the 2021 season though, and that was his involvement in the receiving game. In those eight games he played in, he caught 18 passes for 154 yards. And I know these aren't some like crazy numbers, but compared to years past, I mean, that was easily his best involvement, you know, from a per game basis, because typically he gets all this crazy rushing production and then is a zero in the receiving game. But if you actually like expand those numbers on a per game basis and compare them to Jonathan Taylor, it is really not that far off. So if you're someone who's wanting to fade Derrick Henry because of his lack of a receiving role, I think you also have to take a look at Jonathan Taylor, because even though JT is slightly more involved in the receiving game, there isn't really a huge difference there. So that's why I have Derrick Henry coming in at number three. Now at number four, I have Najee Harris. And he's someone that I was kind of, you know, having a tough time evaluating prior to the draft. But I actually think following the draft, he is a big winner. Because looking back at last season, I mean, Big Ben was feeding Najee Harris in the checkdown department. Najee was targeted 94 times last year, which was tied for the most at the running back position. And I was worried that, you know, with a new quarterback, whether it was Mitch or, you know, a potential rookie, I thought that his receiving volume was going to fall off. The rough part about last year was that even though his volume was insane, you know, he was the clear workhorse, his efficiency was very, very poor as both a runner and a wide receiver. So you don't love that, you know, because maybe they start to reduce his workload. But now with the Steelers going out, stocking up on all these weapons in the draft, they bring in Kenny Pickett. They draft George Pickens. This is a very, very solid offense around him. I think this is actually very good for Najee Harris because I do think he's still going to be used as a workhorse. He may not be, you know, fed the same amount of targets, but he is going to get a ton of carries. And this year, defenses will actually have to respect the Steelers' passing attack because last year they could really just lock in very close to the line of scrimmage. There was no threat down the field. And so Najee really suffered in terms of that efficiency, but this is going to be a better offense with that respect. He's going to have more touchdown opportunities and that efficiency is definitely going to see a bump up. So I do really like Najee and think he has some solid potential to finish as the overall RB1. 
Moving over to number five, this is where I have Dalvin Cook. And I feel like everyone seems to be a little bit low on Cook, you know, after one season where he finished as a low-end RB1. He was disappointing in 2021 if you're drafting him as like your RB2, RB3. But really, a lot of that just came down to poor touchdown luck. You're going to see that with these running backs. You know, the difference between like a 16 touchdown season to like a 10 is going to make a very big difference. And looking at Dalvin Cook, he only got into the end zone six times in his 14 game season. But just looking back one year in 2020, Dalvin Cook averaged 24.1 points per game. He should be seeing a similar workload this year, you know, as he has the past two seasons, maybe slightly less than that 2020 season. I mean, he averaged a crazy amount of carries, but he's in a similar role. He's going to be the workhorse. And so I think he has very solid value as like a mid to back end first round pick this year in fantasy drafts. At number six, I have Austin Eckler, and he's definitely one of the best dual threat running backs in the NFL. He finishes the RB3 in points per game last year, rushed for 900 yards, so very solid on the ground, and then managed to lead all running backs in receiving yards. I think Eckler is going to see a big role once again, especially as a receiver out of the backfield, but I wouldn't be surprised if he lost some of the early down work and potentially some goal line opportunities. It really seems like ever since Melvin Gordon left, the Chargers have been kind of looking around, trying to find a solid, you know, running back two behind Eckler, just to kind of take some of the load off him. And they really just have not found it. They did go out in the draft, bring in Isaiah Spiller. So I do like Austin Eckler as a mid-tier RB1. He's going to be on an elite offense, but I would not be surprised if he does lose some of those touches that made him, you know, a high-end RB1 last season. Here at number seven, we have another dual threat running back, and that is going to be DeAndre Swift. He actually had a very under the radar 2021 season. For fantasy, he finished as the RB10 in points per game. That was with him averaging 16.1 points per game. But I feel like we kind of have to break up the season because I don't think those specific numbers tell the entire story. So DeAndre Swift played in the team's first 10 games. In those first 10 games, he was averaging 18.5 points per game. So that is like mid to high end RB1 production. Then he gets injured in their week 12 game in like the second quarter. So I believe he had like three carries, three targets. So he basically put up no points that game. Then he returns at the back end of the season, week 17 and week 18. He was extremely limited in those two games. He only combined to carry the ball 11 times. So I don't think those are, you know, really indicative of, you know, a per game number for him. So if you're looking back at the games he was actually a part of, not limited by injury, 18.5 points per game on a bad offense is very impressive. The Lions have upgraded the weapons around him heading into 2022, so it could limit some of his overall touches and work in the receiving game, but I also think we're going to see his efficiency and touchdown production take a really big step up. So I do like DeAndre Swift, and I don't think he's going to be drafted as the RB7, which could create a nice value with him as like a late first, maybe even early second round selection. Here at number eight, Joe Mixon was my guy heading into the 2021 season. He was probably one of my most owned players in fantasy football, and I'm feeling pretty solid about him again this year. You know, some people may be higher on him than, you know, this RB8 spot, but I feel like this is a pretty solid ranking. Overall, I just feel like he's a very safe RB1 option. Last season, we saw him finish as the RB7 in points per game, and he was their bell cow on the ground and then added some solid receiving production. He didn't really have that elite, elite ceiling as a fantasy asset because he was capped, 
by the Bengals mixing in Samaje Pirine and Chris Evans as pass catchers. They may do that same kind of thing this year, but if we're remembering the end of the 2021 season, some of the biggest criticisms that Zach Taylor, the head coach, faced was not having Mixon in on third downs and two-minute situations. So maybe they finally unleash Joe Mixon, let him be that full-time three-down back. But even if he doesn't obtain that receiving role, heading into 2022, this is a much improved offensive line and likely just an overall better offense that's probably going to put up more points, which is going to help Joe Mixon in the touchdown department, even though he didn't really need that much help after solid touchdown production in the 2021 season. And then here at number nine, I actually feel like Joe Mixon and this player may have very similar roles in their offense, and that is going to be a Mr. Leonard Fournette. Fournette actually dropped a few spots in my rankings after I saw that the Bucks selected Rashad White, but I'm still expecting Lenny to dominate the early down touches and then basically get all of the red zone work. I just think he may regress in terms of the receiving game, and he may not be seeing the six targets per game that he saw last year. But similar to Joe Mixon, even if Leonard Fournette does not have that elite receiving upside, he's still going to be a very solid RB1 in the Buccaneers' high-powered offense. At number 10, here's where I have Alvin Kamara, and it was just really tough to evaluate and rank him you know, amongst these other running backs because we just don't know if he's going to be suspended, if he does get suspended, how many games is it going to be. So it's really just up in the air right now. The way I'm kind of going to explain it is that if he does not get suspended, he's going to slot in somewhere in like the Cook, Eckler, Swift range, you know, somewhere between like RB5, RB7. That's what I'm thinking right now. If he does get suspended, we just don't know because if it's two games, obviously that's going to be a lot different from six games where you're missing, you know, a huge chunk of the season, but just kind of evaluating him as if he is going to play or just looking back, you know, at some of his previous finishes. Last year, he was the RB6 in points per game, and he did that while dealing with injuries to himself personally. His quarterbacks were all over the place. Winston was out. Then it was basically a quarterback carousel after him. And then the offensive line was also super banged up, not to mention that Michael Thomas didn't even appear all season long, who was supposed to be their other top weapon. So it was just a rough, rough year, you know, down the stretch for the Saints last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But heading into 2022, things are looking a lot better. They're going to have Winston back at quarterback, which isn't some, you know, crazy elite option, but it's a lot better than what they were dealing with at the end of 2021. You've got Michael Thomas coming back. They drafted Chris Olave. So there's going to be weapons around him. Teams aren't going to be able to totally key in on Kamara like they did last season. Prior to that 2021 year, Kamara's lowest yards per carry number was 4.6. And I know yards per carry isn't a perfect metric, but it can kind of tell a little bit of the story. So prior to 2021, lowest yards per carry was 4.6. Last year, it dropped all the way down to 3.7. So that efficiency really, really struggled, you know, being on such a poor offense. Hopefully we can learn more about a potential suspension, but I feel like we're not really going to learn much, you know, in the next few weeks maybe even the next few months, but hopefully we do because it would just kind of clear some things up for fantasy. Now here at number 11, I have Saquon Barkley, and he's another player who was very, very tough to evaluate in these rankings because the difference between his overall ceiling is just so far from the recent production that we have seen from him. As a rookie running back, Saquon Barkley averaged 24.1 points per game. That is absurd. But then what's even crazier is that he did that while only scoring nine touchdowns in 16 games. Normally when you're having those elite, you know, top tier running back finishes, 
you have to put up these like huge touchdown numbers. Barkley did it without even having double digit touchdowns. Then the next year as a sophomore, he averaged 18.8 points per game, dealt with a high ankle sprain, kind of played through that, still performed well. Then in 2020, he tore his ACL. Last year, returned from that ACL tear and then dealt with another ankle sprain, only averaged 11.4 points per game. And the problem was that when he returned, he really just didn't look that great. He was splitting touches with Devontae Booker. He also didn't look noticeably better than Devontae Booker, where if we're talking about prime Saquon, you know, the difference between those two, you know, caliber of players would be absolutely crazy. So hopefully after a full offseason, he's rehabbed, he's all ready to go. And barring another, you know, kind of unfortunate injury, I would be expecting Saquon to bounce back, but I totally acknowledge that he carries a significant amount of risk, you know, more than any of these players ranked around him talking about, you know, guys like Alvin Kamara, minus the suspension, you know what you're getting. This next player right here, number 12, Nick Chubb, I feel like he's the total opposite in terms of risk because you know exactly what you're going to be getting out of him. He's always going to finish as like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, and he actually may be lined up for his best season of his career with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, going to take some pressure off the run game, really open some things up there. Apparently, it's also possible the Browns could cut Kareem Hunt, save some cap space, which I think would help boost Chubb up even more because maybe he starts to work into the receiving game that we've wanted, you know, to see from him because he's kind of always been like a Derrick Henry light where he's going to be super efficient on the ground, really get a lot of those touches, you know, get into the end zone, but he's basically going to be a zero in the receiving game. Maybe he changes that this year, but even if he doesn't, he's just a very reliable, you know, back end RB1. And then before I want to wrap up these rankings, I do just want to mention a few, you know, honorable mentions of players that you could potentially argue to be in the top 12. So I have four guys here. I'm going to start it off with James Conner. Then we've got Brees Hall, Aaron Jones, and Javante Williams. Just my quick thoughts on those players. James Conner is probably going to be the workhorse for the Cardinals. So he's definitely someone who could finish as an RB1. Brees Hall, potentially going to be the RB1 for the Jets. Michael Carter will probably be in there a little bit, but I still think Brees Hall is going to be the guy. Aaron Jones is someone who I didn't think would kind of be in this mix because, you know, Dylan kind of took over, not took over, but, you know, it was very close to like a 50-50 split. But with the Packers kind of lacking these receiving weapons, I feel like they could be using Aaron Jones pretty heavily in the receiving game. And then we've got Javante Williams. Definitely hurts him that Melvin Gordon is back. But, you know, if last year it was like a 50-50 split, this year it's probably going to be 60-40 in favor of Javante Williams. It's going to be a better offense. You've got Russell Wilson there. So he's someone who could sneak up there. I just don't really see the elite ceiling for him with Melvin Gordon in there at quarterback. But let's just recap, you know, through the top 12. Number one, we have Christian McCaffrey. Then we've got Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler at number six, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and then finishing up here at number 12. That is where we have Nick Chubb. So thank you guys so much if you stayed all the way through this video. If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. And then remember, you know, in the next few days, I'll be going through wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. So stay on the lookout for those. Thank you guys for stopping by, and I'll see you in the next one.